coming up on All Nations Church. Some of you, it's time to change the record. Stop talking about the wrongs that were done to you. Stop talking about where you've been and what you've been through and who you were. That's not who you are. Who you were is not who you are. What you did is not who you are. Yes, you might have been in prison. You might have failed in some area. You might have, you know, made a complete mess of your life, but that's not who you are. You have a Father in heaven who loves you, who believes in you, who has called you, who has forgiven you, who has cleansed you. It's time to change the record. James chapter 4 and verse 1. Uh, we can read together. Um, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Who are you to judge another? Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. You may be seated. Lord, we just thank you today for your word. And we ask the Spirit of God that you would speak to us. I pray that you would open our hearts in Jesus' name to hear what you're saying to us today. Amen. And we're doing part three of a series called Humility. And um, so here, uh, it's very interesting, you, you know, how, how so many times over and over again, it emphasizes the importance of walking in humility. And, um, uh, you know, it talks about submitting to God, resisting the devil, and he will flee from you, and to humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. And then it's interesting, it gets in verse 11, it gets into not speaking evil of other people, because again, we're still dealing with pride, and so many times when we're talking about people, uh, putting them down or talking behind their back, really, it's still, um, uh, pride is the issue, and um, you know, it addresses the fact that there is one lawgiver and that there is one judge, and therefore we're not to judge others. And um, it, it, it continues on, and it says, uh, 
you know, what is your life? It's like a vapor. Um, and, and you ought to say, you know, if the Lord wills, I'll, I'll do this or, or do that. And so what, what it's saying here is that it's not wrong to make plans. Okay, but it is wrong uh, when God doesn't figure in them um, or when we become so self-reliant that we don't even consult God in the first place or look to him as our source. And, you know, it's this arrogance that we see in the rich man in Luke chapter 12. And I'd like to read uh, this passage because I think it's a tremendously important one. Luke 12 and verse 15, here Jesus is talking and uh, he said, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them saying, The ground of a certain man, rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will be those things um, be with which you have provided? You know, the King James says, thou fool. And, you know, I think this is a very uh, a sobering verse because really this passage shows us this man lacked for nothing except gratitude and humility. And how many times do we fall into the very same category? You know, we, many times we go through a week or a month or a year without missing one meal, without having one night where we don't have a roof over our heads. Where we, where we don't go a week where we don't have people who love us or have a job or, you know, so many things that we take for granted. Really, how much different are we to this man in this parable? He lacked for nothing except gratitude and humility. And this man bought into three fallacies. One, that money buys happiness and security, because it doesn't. Number two, that we're in total control of our lives, and we aren't. And three, that we don't need to honor and acknowledge God for the favor and material blessings in our lives. And you see, we would do well to heed the warning that is contained in this parable. Because there's a lesson that God wants his people to learn. And that is that, that you know what, none of us are anything without him. And we see this um, illustrated in the book of Daniel chapter 4 and the story of King Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel chapter 4 and verse 27. Therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Um, break off your sins by being righteous and your iniquities by showing favor to the poor. Perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. Here Daniel interpreted his dream and warned the king. All... Um, all all this came upon King, can we get the lights a little bit brighter, please, a little dark up here. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. Um, at the end of the 12 months, there was, uh, he was walking along the uh, pa royal palace of Babylon. The king spoke saying, is not this the great Babylon that I've built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice 
fell from heaven, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you. And they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you, until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, and gives it to whomever he wishes. That very hour, the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men and ate grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. And at the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me. And for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles uh, resorted to me. I was restored to my kingdom and excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all of whose works are truth and his ways justice, and those who walk in pride he is able to put down. This, this is a tremendously sobering passage, and one that all of those who have been entrusted with authority in this earth, whether spiritual or, or secular, uh, should be very much aware of. And I'm mindful of particularly those in big tech who have been exercising all sorts of censorship and arrogantly, you know, seeking to exalt themselves above truth, above biblical truth in many respects, um, and, and, and pushing certain agendas, globalists, etc. I think every one of those need, and the men and women need to be very aware of the fact that there is a God in heaven who sees and who hears, and he will humble them if they will not humble themselves before him. And so here in the book of Daniel, we have the story of Nebuchadnezzar. I remember reading this to my little boy, Ewan. He's not little anymore. He's 17, but I, I still think of him as a, a little kid. But he was only a little boy when I read him this story. And afterwards, I said, Ewan, um, uh, what do you think of that? What do you think, uh, the, 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 you know, the, 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 what was the moral of this story? And he just looked at me with those big blue eyes and he said, uh, be humble or be humbled. And I thought, wow, that was so profound coming from the lips of a little kid because there is a warning in this for all of us. If you are not humble, you will be humbled. Okay? And so, you see, God requires that all of his chosen vessels learn humility before he can use them. And we see this illustrated in the life of Jacob. Jacob chapter, uh, sorry, Genesis chapter uh, 32, um, uh, you know, gives us the story of, of Jacob before he meets his brother Esau. And he arose that night and took his wives, his female servants and his 11 sons and passed over the ford of Jabbok. He took them and sent them over the brook and sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Sometimes God brings you to the place where you feel alone because he wants to deal with your heart. 
Um, I, I remember, you know, uh, nearly 30 years ago, coming to college here in Dublin as, as a young man, newly saved, and um, I went through a time of great loneliness. Um, it, you know, there was probably 50 or 60 other people in the class. They all thought I was crazy because I used to read my Bible on my break and because I wasn't drinking or doing any of the things the other kids were doing. And, um, you know, I knew I was called, but I, I couldn't figure out how to, how to follow that call. But you know what? The, the, the call of God, and, and hopefully I'm going to do a series soon on the call of God, but there's something about the call of God that will separate you. You know, Jeremiah understood this. You know, he said, I sat alone because your hand was upon me. And, and so sometimes uh, you can think that it's the devil closing doors on you. Sometimes it's God. Sometimes God is just bringing you to the side to, to deal with some things in your life, to prepare your heart for what he wants to do in your life. Because, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. And if you could really understand who God is, you'd be getting excited to think that God has included you in his plans. Amen. That you're not forgotten. You're not an accident. He loves you. He's called you. And he has plans for you. And if, if, if we could, you know, for one moment, uh, realize and understand the plans that God has for us, we'd start dancing a jig right where we are. We'd get a whole lot more excited, you know, when we see the promises of God. When he says, I know the plans I have for you, amen? God has plans and those plans are good. But anyway, it says Jacob was left alone. And it says a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. Now when he saw that he could not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And so he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men, and you have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, tell, you, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask about your name, uh, about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. For I've seen God face to face and my life was preserved. Just as he crossed over Peniel, the sun rose on him and he limped on his hip. You see, when you've had an encounter with Christ, you will forever be a God-touched man or woman. You know, from, from that moment on, you, you could, uh, Jacob was different because he had a limp. There was, you know, he, God's touch uh, was on his life. And, you know, I think it's important that we allow God to do what he wants to do in our lives. God, you know, this was in, in the Old Testament, there's a number of times where Jesus appears. And um, this was, a, 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 I, I believe this was the Lord that, that, that Jacob encountered. And, you know, this is the amazing thing. You know what? Humility brings honesty. Jacob had learned humility during those long and difficult years when he was serving his uncle Laban. Because this is the irony, the deceiver had been deceived by his uncle by changing both his wife and his wages. And now he was forced to acknowledge, um, you know, what he was himself. He was a deceiver because that's what Jacob means. It means supplanter. It means heel grabber. It means deceiver. Okay. And so in this moment, this, this self-realization, we said, what is your name? And he said, Jacob, deceiver. 
because uh, this is the reality. Um, he had only reaped uh, what he had already sown with his own brother by stealing the inheritance from him. And so by deceiving his brother, that's what he'd sowed. And what did he, what did he reap? Well, he reaped it through his uncle. And so Jacob learned humility during his years of servitude with Laban. You know, Joseph learned humility in both the pit and the prison. You know, he had been so proud of the fact that, you know, he was called by God, that he was called to greatness and that he was clearly his father's favorite son. You know, any of you that have children, don't make that mistake of, of showing favoritism. Um, you know, love all your kids equally. That's, that's so important. But, you know, Jacob's father made it clear that, that Joseph was his favorite. And therefore, Joseph was always boasting to his brothers and his family. And uh, I'd like us to look at Genesis chapter 37. And here we have the story of Joseph. And it says, now Jacob um, uh, dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Bila and the sons of uh, Zilpha, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. One of the things I love about the Bible is it doesn't, um, uh, it shows, uh, you know, these men and women in their fullness, you know, warts and all. And so the Bible does acknowledge uh, polygamy. Uh, it doesn't endorse it. You know, just because the Bible describes something doesn't mean that it is approving of it. And anytime you see polygamy described in the Old Testament, um, you see a whole lot of dysfunction. Uh, you see contention between the wives, contention between the children. And so in, in many respects, the Bible acknowledges uh, what these men did, but it doesn't necessarily uh, approve of what they did. Because clearly, uh, you know, the Bible is very clear that monogamy is the only um, union, uh, one man, one woman, uh, till death do you part. And so Anyway, we, we see here there was this contention between the brothers. But when he's, um, it says, now Israel loved Joseph more than all the children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. You know, there's a principle, you need to be careful about who, <coughs> who you share your dreams with, okay? There's a time and a place, like Mary, to ponder these things in your heart, amen? To pray in the spirit and seek the Lord about them. But don't be broadcasting, um, you know, what God has put in your heart because there are things in your life that are time sensitive. The Bible says he changeth the times and the seasons. And if you're trying to do something before it is the season to do it, it's not going to work. And that's why it's important that we need to be prayerful. We need to proceed prayerfully. And we need to be, like I said, mindful of who we're sharing things with because sometimes you can share your dreams with people and it's a bit like throwing your pearls before swine um, you know because they will literally talk you out of it or they will mock you for it and um, you know there was there was a time when people uh, would have mocked me for sharing what I, what God had put in my heart and and you know thanks be to God I had wisdom enough to either ignore those people or or not talk with them in the first place but like I said there are some people who take pleasure in in literally trampling on your dreams and it, 
you know, it's not just necessarily ministry. You know, like I said, you may have a desire to live in a certain house and people say, well, you know, what planet are you on? How, how, can you, how can you think you're going to accomplish that? Well, you know, the Bible says all things are possible with God. Amen. And so, again, don't, like I said, open your heart to people who want to literally talk you out of what God wants to do in your life. Amen. So anyway, he had a dream, and um, it, it, it says, he told him to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream, which I have dreamed. There was nothing wrong with having the dream. What was wrong was when he started to boast about it and begin to tell it to people who clearly didn't want to hear it in the first place. And um, there were, we were binding sheaves in the field. And behold, my sheave arose and stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around, um, around and bowed down to my sheaf. And I'm sure he said that with great relish and great delight to his brothers. And his brothers said to him, shall you indeed rule over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream and told his brothers, said, look, I've dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, the moon, and the, seven, uh, the 11 stars barred down to me. And he said to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream? that you have dreamed shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come down and bow down to the earth before you and his brothers envied him but his father kept the matter in mind and so here we have the beginning uh, of the story of Joseph and he's bragging, he's boastful. We see further on, um, you know, he talks badly about his brothers. He's, you know, bringing stories. You know, nobody likes a, a tattletale. And um, uh, chapter 39 and verse 6. Um, Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. Here we see Joseph is now in Potiphar's house. He's a, a no-name servant, so to speak, but God promotes him, God blesses him. And uh, it says, Potiphar left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, lie with me. She, this lady got straight to the point. Um, so, but he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has into my hand. And um, so, anyway, it says, there is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you're his wife. How can I then do this great wickedness and sin and again against God? So was she spoke to Joseph day by day, and he did not heed her to lie with her, nor to be with him. How many of you know the devil is persistent? And just because you say no to him today, doesn't mean that he's going to try and present that opportunity to you again tomorrow. Amen? And so, uh, I think it's important seeing this story, that success is relative, and it's also time sensitive. In this point, Joseph was successful. But that wasn't where he was called to be ultimately. God had much greater plans for him. And really, what Joseph was in this moment, he was being trained up. Because uh, we see that, you know, Joseph was put managing Potiphar's household. Then he's put managing a prison. Eventually, he's put managing a nation. And, um, and, and ultimately, it's God's mercy and compassion. Because it not only saves the Egyptians, but it saves, you know, the nations that surround, that would have, surround, that would have starved as well.
But anyway, um, so Joseph is, is serving um, in Potiphar's household, and God will always promote you if you have a servant's heart. Amen? And so uh, don't be discouraged. Like I said, um, you know, if what you have in your heart hasn't come to pass yet, because many of God's callings are time sensitive. The Bible says he set it up one, uh, he put it down another. Okay, so it is God is the one who promotes, and um, it's important to have a heart to serve in the meantime, and, and not serve because because you want to get something, but serve because you love the Lord. Uh, but, but here we see that Joseph, um, uh, you know, as successful as he was at this time, um, because he was the pre preeminent servant in the house, he still lacked wisdom, and he was still boasting, and he still lacked humility, because he speaks to, the, to this man's wife, and he says, I'm the greatest one in this house. What an idiot. Every man knows that once you go inside the door of your house, she's the boss. <laughs> okay, uh, let me qualify that, at least in regards to the, to the home and to the, you know, uh, it, it's like the last day, you know, Joanna, uh, I, you know, we're, we're doing a lot of decorating and painting and a whole lot of work around the house, and um, she, <laughs> she was, uh, I, I, I gave her a suggestion, and, um, and she said, no, she said, listen, this is my home, <laughs> so I said, okay, okay. <laughs> You know, she asked me another question the last day about something to do with the house. I said, why are you even asking me? Because you know you're not going to listen to me anyway. So. But, um, but, you know, Joseph was stupid. He says to this man's wife, you know, that I, I'm the greatest person in this house. So, you know, listen, it, it was just a matter of time before he got into serious trouble. Um, verse 21 and verse 23, Joseph gets thrown into prison, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who in the prison, whatever they did, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. So Joseph was far from perfect. God was working on him, but Joseph had the wisdom to serve. Okay, he had the wisdom to serve, and so he served in Potiphar's house, and now he's serving in the prison. And um, because, again, what was in it for him? He was in prison. He could have taken the attitude, I'm just going to do my time, get out of here, no. But Joseph served, and as he was serving, he was learning. He was learning. The Bible says that he, he uh, was looking after the men. He was, he was uh, uh, you know, looking after all of these guys, and... Um, so anyway, Joseph is, is learning during this, this period. And chapter 41 and verse 14 is really where I wanted to get to. Was because, you know, Joseph is forgotten. Um, you know, he, he interprets a dream for the butler and the baker. And um, uh, the, the butler forgets about him, even though he, he prophesies that he will be reinstated. And um, verse 14 of uh, chapter 41 and it says, uh, Pharaoh had a dream. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph. And they brought him uh, to him quickly out of the dungeon. 
and he shaved, changed his clothing, and came to Pharaoh. Joseph had the wisdom to change his clothes. He had the wisdom to shave. You know, the Egyptians would not accept anybody that would have a beard. And again, his prison clothes, you know, were dirty. They were probably ragged. They were stinking. It says he changed his clothes because he was moving out of the environment he was in. And this is why, again, I think it's important, you know, faith is an act. Amen. I was just talking to somebody uh, th th this morning that was, you know, struggling physically in their body, but they're, they're out there working and, you know, and, and that's an act of faith. They could be at home feeling sorry for themselves, but they're out there working because faith is an action. And, and, and so too here, Joseph changes his clothes because he's dressing for where he is going. And, you know, people could have made fun of him because he's no longer dressed in the, in the prison clothes. He's dressed in these fancy clothes and you know he could have been afraid oh the prisoners are going to laugh at me but he wasn't dressing for where he was where he was right right there he was dressing for where he was going and 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 that's why again we need to start thinking and talking and dressing according to where we want to go as opposed to where we are amen and so I, I remember 30 years ago I used to wear a suit to church I was just a student in Bolton Street I didn't have two I didn't have two you know euros to rub together but I dressed like a man of God because that's how I saw myself you know everybody else just saw me as a as, as this kid who was a student and in college but you know what even then I knew there was a call in my life and so on Sunday I would wear a suit to church and I would dress in my best and I would go there because I believed I was somebody I was going somewhere and in the same way the Bible says as a man thinks in his heart so is he you know some of you have accepted labels that have been put upon you some of you have accepted you know things that were said about you you've listened to the lies of the enemy and it affects the way you carry yourself it affects the way you talk it affects the way you think and as long as you'll accept being in that little box that you've been put in that's the way you'll be and that's why you have to start to think differently talk differently believe differently in Jesus name if you want to fulfill the call of God on your life <laughs> Joseph changed his clothes and for some of you it's time to change the record Stop talking about the wrongs that were done to you. Stop talking about where you've been and what you've been through and who you were. That's not who you are. Who you were is not who you are. What you did is not who you are. Yes, you might have been in prison. You might have failed in some area. You might have, you know, made a complete mess of your life. But that's not who you are. You have a Father in heaven who loves you, who believes in you, who has called you, who has forgiven you, who has cleansed you. It's time to change the record. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to change the record. Joseph changed his clothes. Thank you, Jesus. You see, Joseph was determined Amen. He was determined to fulfill his destiny. And that's why he washed the grime and the dirt and the, and, and the pain and all of the disappointment from the past. I believe, you know, he was washing it all off him. He said, you know what? I'm just letting it go. He was, he was letting go of the bitterness. What about if Joseph came into Pharaoh and said, you know what? I shouldn't be a slave. I was, I was sold by my brothers. I was, you know, people did me wrong. And that's the way some people are. The first thing they do when they, they come up to you, the first thing they want to do is pull 
out their little fiddle and start, you know, rehearsing the wrongs that were done to them. And therefore, they, they never move forward in their lives. We need to learn to forgive and forget in Jesus' name. The Bible says, forget the former things. Do not consider the things of old. I will do a new thing. How many of you know God can't do the new thing until you let go of the old thing? Some of you just heard from the Lord this morning. You need to just let it go. It doesn't mean that what was done was, wrong, was right or that you deserved it. It just simply means you refuse to let your future be defined by your past. Could somebody say amen this morning? Thank you, Jesus. And this is going to be a four-part series because I haven't got out of the introduction. That's okay. <laughs> so Joseph changed his clothes and he was ushered into the presence of Pharaoh. How many of you know God can bring you into the presence of greatness? God can, God can open doors to you that no man can open. Glory to Jesus, every door I open, no man can close. Every door I close, no man can open. Some of you have got your eyes in the wrong place. You've got your eyes on people. People don't open the doors. God does. Amen. Amen? And so, anyway, uh, verse 14, it says, They quickly brought him out of the dungeon, and he shaved, changed his clothing, and came to Pharaoh. How many of you know God can take you out quickly? You might be in one mother of a mess right now. And you might think, oh, if I, if I, if I work really hard, maybe in five years or ten years, I, things can be, hey, things can change overnight in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Overnight, glory to God, in just one moment, one touch from Jesus. You know, I was just reading last night in bed, and uh, I, I love the Gospels, and, and you know, just how these two blind men came to Jesus, and he said, do you believe I'm able to do this? And they said, yes, Lord, and right there, their sight was restored, just one touch from the master, glory to God. One touch from the master can do more than, you know, 10 years of sitting on a psychologist's chair, amen? Just one touch from Jesus, amen? That's all you need. So again, just get into position to receive today. The Lord's gonna do miracles in this place, in Jesus' name. They brought him out quickly. And um, <laughs> hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Oh, she alabasoko tomana shiste. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've had a dream, and there's no one who can interpret it, but I've heard it said of you that you can interpret a dream and inter to in that, uh, that you can understand a dream to interpret it. The old Joseph would have said, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good on that end of things. You know, I'm the man. You know, I, I've, I've, I've done it before. I can do it again. But you know what? Joseph had changed. Joseph had learned humility. You know, Joseph was bragging to his brothers. He was bragging to his father. He was bragging to Potiphar's wife. But Joseph had learned a lesson. He had learned humility. And so Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. It's not in me. He had learned that lesson. I don't have the answers. It's not about my ability. It's not about my qualifications. It's not about my talent. It's not about how hard I try. It's not about me. It's about him. Yes, Joseph humbly approached Pharaoh. Thank you, Jesus. He had learned humility. 
And that's why we see in chapter 50, you know, Joseph is elevated, uh, you know, to the second in, in command under Pharaoh. And uh, verse 15 of chapter, uh, verse 15, chapter 50, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay for us all the evil which he did to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph saying, before your father died, he commanded saying, thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespasses of your brother and their sin for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespasses of your servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. You know why? Joseph, that was the last thing on Joseph's mind. Joseph could have clicked his fingers for revenge if he wanted to. He could have done that a long time ago, but he didn't. Why? Because Joseph's heart had been changed. Joseph had learned humility through the things which he suffered. And you know, some of you today, you've suffered some things along the way. You know, some things have been said about you. You know, some things have been done to you. But you know what? What the enemy meant for evil, God can turn to good. If you have the humility to simply surrender and say, you know what, Lord, I'm letting it go in Jesus' name. Because it says Joseph wept and he said, uh, then his brothers also went uh, and fell down before his face and they said, behold, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, do not be afraid for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. You see, humility will give you perspective where pride will blind you to all perspective, where all you can do is focus on that one wrong that was done to you, that one thing that was said to you. And, and you're, you know, you're just going to ignore everything else and just focus. You get tunnel vision. You see, pride gives you tunnel vision. That's why pride goes before destruction, a Holy Spirit before a fall. You know, that's why, you know, things that would look obvious to any rational person, and yet you see that person just, you know, pull their entire life down around them simply because they lack humility, because pride gives you tunnel vision, and you're going to get into a whole world of pain simply because you lacked humility. But here Joseph said, am I in the place of God? You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. You see, humility will cause you to be kind. Humility will cause you to help people even when there's nothing in it for you. Some people live their lives, you know, always looking for the angle, always trying to see, well, what's in it for me? No, don't be like that. The Bible, you know, David said, is there anyone to whom of Saul's house remaining, to whom I may show the kindness of God? Do you know that God is kind? He's kind to us. He's so kind to us. We need to be like him. You know, God is kind and we must be kind and we must be humble. Amen. And this is the beautiful thing we see in Joseph. In the early years, he's arrogant, selfish, proud, boastful, and self-confident, self-reliant. But at the end of his life, we see a kind, compassionate, gracious, and humble man. But you see, he's been through a long and a painful process. He had 13 years of slavery and prison. You know, it was 22 years before he actually was reunited with his family again. He had been through some things. 
You see, the old Joseph had died along the way. You know, part of him died as he lay shivering in the pit, betrayed by his own brothers, sold as a slave. More of him died as the awful realization that he was being sold as a slave to a lifetime of servitude and abuse. You know, still more of Joseph died as he served Potiphar. And finally, as he languished in the prison, quietly serving the other prisoners in obscurity, forgotten by the world, the last, you know, remnants of pride and self-confidence, self-reliance in Joseph were extinguished. He learned humility. Psalm 105, verse 18, it says, he was laid in iron. The prayer book version says, the iron entered into his soul. The iron entered his soul and humility entered his heart. You see, some of you, like I said, have been through some very difficult experiences. But it's like iron. You know, steel has to be tempered. If it's not tempered, it's brittle and it shatters. But when it's tempered, it has a little bit of give in it. And, and many of the things that we've experienced, even over the last two years of COVID, I believe God has been tempering us and preparing us for the great outpouring and the great revival that we're going to see in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to see revival in this nation and in the nations because Jesus is coming back. And don't tell me he's coming back for a church as it is. No, it's a church as it will be. A church without spot and without blemish. The Bible says his bride has made herself ready. Well, I believe we're going to see the glory of God in our generation and in our age. You see, the iron entered his soul. From then on, Joseph would be a determined, he would be a a humble, but a determined man. He would be a strong man. He had to be a strong leader to lead an entire nation. You see, the iron entered his, his soul, but humility entered his heart. Amen. You see, Moses learned humility during his 40 years of herding sheep in obscurity in the desert. You know, as a young prince of Egypt, he had failed in, in delivering his people. And, and he, was, he ended up for 40 years in, in the middle of nowhere, you know, uh, minding sheep. You know, the, the young prince who was mighty in word and deed died during that period to the point where, you know, he became humble and he became usable. And if you're not humble, you're not usable. You might be the smartest person in the room. You might be the most qualified person in the room, but God will pass over you every time. The Bible says the proud he knows from afar. I don't know about you. I don't want to know God at a distance. I want to know him face to face. I want to know him like Moses. I want to know him, you know, I want to be intimate with the Lord. I want to know him. And so, you know, uh, Moses died in the desert, you could say. Humility brings you to a place of honesty. You see, Jacob acknowledged that he was a deceiver. You know, Isaiah confessed that he was a man of unclean lips. Moses confessed that he was past it. Because again, when God said, I'm sending you to Pharaoh, he said, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Think about it. Moses had come to the place where he was so humble, he no longer even saw himself as being in a place where God could use him. 
You know, aside from the fact that he was 80 years of age before he stepped into his purpose. And so for some of you that are older, remember, God may be just getting started with you. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Humility brings us to a place of, of honesty. Like I said, you know, Isaiah said, I'm a man of, of unclean lips. You know, David declared that he was conceived in sin. And just like these men, we too must realize that we don't measure up. Amen. On our best day, we do not meet the, the, the mark. It is all by grace and by grace alone. That's why Isaiah chapter 55 and 6 says, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Isaiah 55 and verse 6. Thank you, Jesus. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. If you're a humble person, you will pray. If you're a humble person, the first thing you're going to do in the morning, before you eat, before you get dressed, before you do anything else, you're going to spend some time, well, get dressed, okay, wear something. I'm not trying to, okay, people get all sorts of weird. I just, I'm just saying, <laughs> and you're dressing God or whatever. Just spend some time with the Lord. Spend some time with the Lord. Don't just go out there into the day assuming everything is just going to go the way you expected. No, you need to humble yourself and spend time with the Lord. Amen. And it says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. And if you're not saved today, I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of this service to get saved. To surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Because let me say this, Jesus Christ is coming back and we need to be ready. If you're not ready to face the Lord, just like that beautiful song Cassie wrote, till he calls me home, I will sing your praise. The time will come when God calls us home. Some may be sooner than later. We all believe for a long life, but the reality is every day is a gift from God. Every breath you take is a gift from your creator. And that's why we started with James, where he said, don't boast about, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do the other. No, we need to thank God for every day he has given us. And if you're not ready to stand before the Lord in eternity, you'll have an opportunity today. Because some people, I believe, end up in eternity before they ever realize it. Humility brings us to a place of honesty. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. As the worship group come forward. It says let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let me just speak to the men right now. You don't have to physically be doing it to be grieving the Holy Spirit. To both men and women, you can be going to places in your mind that are grieving the Spirit of God. You might say, well, I've, I've, never, uh, I've never committed adultery. Well, Jesus said just to look at a woman to lust for her, you've committed adultery. The standard of God is much higher than, than what we would like to, to pretend. We must forsake all evil. We must forsake those unrighteous thoughts and return to the Lord. 
If we want to see revival, we must return. We must return to the Lord in humility and repentance. We must come to the cross and bring our sin, bring our failure, bring our inadequacy, bring our shortcomings, bring our weaknesses, lay them at his feet and say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for the things that I've indulged in my life. Forgive me for the sin that I have permitted to exist for so long. Forgive me for the, the wrongs that I haven't righted. And forgive me for the grudges that I've carried. Some of us have carried grudges and offenses for years. And I really believe the Spirit of God is saying to us, it's time to let it go. Just like we see in the life of Joseph. Joseph learned to let it go. And I believe if Joseph hadn't, he would have never entered into what God had for him. The Bible says it is the little foxes that spoil the vine. Sometimes it's those things that we think are insignificant that God has a major issue with. The fact that you've carried those offenses and those grudges for years and you refuse to forgive. Sometimes it's not about forgiving somebody else. Sometimes it's about forgiving yourself. You have no right to hold things against you that God has declared that he has forgiven. This is the beauty of the Christian message is that we have redemption. We have forgiveness. And if God has forgiven you, then you need to release those memories and those things that you've carried for soul. You know, some of you, the devil has tormented you in your mind because of things you've done or places you've been or things you've said or people you've been with. And the Lord said, you know what? Your sins and lawless deeds, I'll remember no more. And so what God has forgotten, we have no right to be bringing up. Yes, the devil will try to remind you, but you need to remember that you're under the blood and those things are under the blood. And the Bible says, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You see, some of you spend your day, you know, reflecting and thinking and talking about a dead man or a dead woman. Because from heaven's perspective, the old you is dead. You're a new creature. You're a new person. You're all, your past does not exist anymore. That man that did time doesn't exist anymore. That woman that did this or did that doesn't exist anymore. You are forgiven. You are clean. You are free. You are a child of the Most High God. How many of you believe that today? Thank you for watching this video. We hope it blesses and encourages you. Please hit the like and subscribe button if you enjoyed the message. That way you won't miss any of our upcoming content. Also, share the video with your loved ones to help spread the good news of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We hope to see you again soon.